How's it going, everyone? This is Jason Navarro. You're listening to Tongues Out Podcast, and let's continue on with our conversation about cannabis. And so uh, throughout the week, I've talked about my experience, how I got into it, how um, me working in the profession uh, and why I got into the profession of, of like legal cannabis, um, you know, how much I learned from that and just like taking that education and also spreading it to you guys as well, my listeners. And so essentially, uh, I was talking about the, at the very beginning that I think everyone should jump into working in the cannabis space and how you could definitely develop enough of an understanding and skill sets that when another market becomes legal, you could essentially, you know, become a traveling consultant and and do really well at um, helping other dispensaries or growers or just anyone looking to get into the, the profession, just, you know, help them leverage your knowledge into creating a successful business. But honestly, let's just be, let's just be frank. That's not for everyone. Uh, the, to even be able to go out and be a consultant requires an, a, a, like a skill set outside of just knowing information. You have to be really good at communicating with people. You have to be a really good networker. You have to be really good at putting yourself in front of, um, in front of a lot of people and also giving the, the ability where you could be perceived as someone that's a problem solver. And that's not every single person that listens to this podcast or every single person that works in this profession as well. And so that segues into my next conversation or today's conversation, which is why you should not work in the cannabis space. And so it's not as heavy as the the hospitality industry like I did last week, where essentially I was saying that if you have no ability of self-control, do not work in hospitality, period, when it comes to like Las Vegas or other big cities. Um, it won't be as extreme for this industry, but there are some things you have to be mindful of. Uh, first off is that generally, uh, unless you're working directly for a dispensary or uh, working for uh, a growery, if you're working doing uh, what I did as a brand ambassador, just going and promoting a product uh, or yeah, just promoting a product. Uh, it gives you the most flexibility ever. One of the best jobs I've ever had, honestly, because you know my shifts, I could choose to take a shift if I wanted to or not. Um, if I were available, it was great. If I wasn't, no harm, no done. Um, the downside to that though is that first off, you're a contracted worker, so you're not you're not getting any benefits, um, and you're also um, not W2. So that means that your all your money is you're self-employed. So all the money you're making, essentially you need to be responsible and, um, take care of, you know, paying your taxes and, you know, the money up front might sound like a lot, but essentially you lose 30% of that to taxes, essentially to income tax, social security and Medicare tax. And so what sounds great on paper, you know, after accounting for all of that might not be, now, technically, because you are self-employed, again, this is no, I am not an accountant. Do not take this as uh, accounting advice. You know, I do not want to be liable for that. <laughs> but essentially, because you are self-employed, essentially, you're able to write off certain aspects of what you do for work. You know, travel time from an office, like if you had to go to an office to pick up some materials to then go to a location um, to, you know, your outfits, if you have to pay for them, uh, just a lot of different things you, you have to technically 
pay for for your your career or your your job, you could definitely leverage that off your tax a little bit easier or better than if you were to be a W two employee. Um, it's enough to kind of offset about half your tax obligations, but still, you are still going to be paying taxes. I mean, no matter what, there's no way to get away paying taxes. So don't think about it unless you're taking a massive L and at which point you should not be proud about not making money. Um, but I mean, if you're self-employed and, and not generating enough income and you're generating losses, then I guess technically you don't owe any taxes, but what's the point? <laughs> Honestly. Um, another reason why you probably would not want to work in this industry is because a lot of it is, is cash pace or cash based, excuse me. Uh, you'd be asking, why is that? Well, funny enough, like I talked about in my legality podcast, um, states are, are slowly rolling out, you know, legalization of cannabis, but essentially it's still a schedule one based drug. So that means it's federally illegal. So honestly, if tomorrow the federal government and the DEA wanted to go and raid every dispensary and shut them down, they're within their rights and their merits to do it. And yes, the dispensaries and the states would try and fight it as much as they could, but you know you can't. You know, federal government laws always supersede state laws, and so because of that, a lot of banks tend to not deal with any industries that aren't federally legal. It's just because of liability purposes. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to have to answer to the government if all of a sudden, like the government tomorrow is like shutting down all of these like shady organizations. That's why, like online gambling tends to be like cryptocurrency or you have to go through like an off offshore bank account. If you want to do like online gambling, same stuff like that, you know, technically a bank is or credit card or bank is not going to, um, which credit cards are managed by banks. So they're not going to allow these industries to, to open bank accounts or anything of that nature. So yes, <laughs> dispensaries tend to 90% of the time only deal with cash clientele. If you have a debit card or a credit card, most of the time they have ATMs inside their locations for customers so they can withdraw money because most people aren't walking around with cash nowadays unless they're very familiar with the industry. And then there are some dispensaries that have tried to get around the whole, not, you know, the, the bank system itself, but still it's most of the time the industry is always a cash-based industry. So if you're like me, I hate being paid in cash. Uh, I think, you know, there's, like when I have money that's direct deposited into a bank account, if someone were to steal my money out of my bank, it's insured by the FDIC. It's insured by the banks. It's insured by Visa. There's multiple different ways I'm going to protect myself if I can prove that I did not use that money that was in my bank account. If I get paid in cash and I get robbed or I lose track of my cash or if you're just a bad spender in general, like if you are someone that's not able to manage your money, being paid in cash is probably the worst thing you could do because you have no way to account for what you're purchasing with your money. And so, and like I said, it's not insured. So if you get paid in cash, there's the ultimate risk that, you know, you're probably, it's going to disappear on you pretty quickly compared to like, if you were to get a deposit into your bank. Um, what else is another reason for why not to be in the cannabis industry? Um, there's the income opportunities for people that work in the industry isn't really that great to be frank. Um, like compared to other traditional jobs, you're really going to be making retail pay. Um, 
you don't get commissioned for like if you're a butt tender and you're working at a dispensary, which I think is insane. I think most dispensaries should shift to a model where because ultimately these people are held accountable to the average ticket like sales that they have for throughout the day and for the month. So essentially what that means is like per customer, how much is that customer spending um, total like when they purchase all their cannabis? And so the higher the ticket amount, the better you look like as a butt, butt tender. But ultimately, at the end of the day, that doesn't translate to anything that's different for you compared to the next person. Can that lead to you getting like a job, better job opportunity in the future? Yeah, of course. But something I realized in the industry for, for a bit was that your opportunity to transition from being like, let's say, a butt tender to like a management position is pretty difficult uh, because like I was saying in yesterday's podcast, Essentially, these dispensaries have a monopoly over the next year's or like over competition. Essentially, they're not allowing other dispensaries to open up within a like uh, either a, a certain time frame. They're only giving out so many licenses per year or they even have a geographic lock, like where essentially no one can open a dispensary in their area. So competition isn't really something you really have to deal with as a business. So having competitive pay rates for your employees is not something that really exists in the industry. So your average salary for a butt tender is not really that high. They do get tips and and they can make a considerable amount of money from tips from clientele. But again, tips aren't guaranteed. You have to have that personality. You have to be informative. You have to be engaging. Like the people I, I talked to that made you know a good amount of tips, they you could tell why. They they knew everything about cannabis. They could answer your questions. They, if you had an inquiry about like a product that would be best for you as a newcomer, they could point you in the right direction. Um, and they just had a great personality. Whereas the people that just kind of took orders like, hey, I'm looking for a pre-roll. Okay, well, this is like on sale or that's on sale. You're not really getting that much of a, you know, that much in tips. But I mean, so tips vary for a butt tender anywhere between, you know, for a, an eight hour shift, anywhere between like 30 to 120 bucks on average. Again, that's dependent on on the type of person that you are. But if you are outgoing and um, anyways, well, this this podcast is all about why you shouldn't be in, in the industry. Uh, I'll get to that at the very end. But so, yeah, the income potential is not that high. If you do get a managerial uh, job, I see a lot of turnover from managers because they're asked to do a lot because there's a lot of operational stuff that has to be done with dispensaries. It's not like your traditional retail location. So like dispensaries are funny. They're, they're handled like retail shops. Like if you were to work in any position for any retail location, you're kind of familiar with how that works, but there's more to it because there's so many laws and regulations with this industry that, you know, everyone has to be licensed. You have to make sure everyone has their licenses like to, you know, managed and, uh, there's like security precautions, like when weed gets dropped off, there's a lot of security and like a lot of stuff that you have to do as a manager on top of like managing inventory and your reps and everything of that nature. So managers in that retail location and, and dispensaries tend to make about the same as other retail locations, but they don't have to deal with as much stress technically. Um, Really, the only job positions I see where people are are really enjoying their like not. I'm talking in general. I'm not talking about like I know plenty of butt tenders that love their job. I know plenty of managers that love their job. When I say this, I'm talking about in general, like the people I've met that are enjoying what they do are directors in in the industry, like people that are like at the very top of the food chain. 
owners, of course, and um, owners and partners and uh, consultants. I think uh, those three job positions, if you have that in the cannabis space, you tend to, you know, enjoy them. I mean, they do have their level of stress, though, technically, because, I mean, now you're held at a, a different standard. But if you're not able to get into those job positions, don't think that it's just um, it's it's all. Oh, and then butt tenders, I guess, but or not butt tenders, uh, brand ambassadors, excuse me. So like in my job position, a lot of people, when I would work in dispensaries, I would only work like a, a one to three hour um, shift at a dispensary. People would just see me pop up. I just have to engage your customer. I don't have to sell them anything. I just have to sh- show them a product, tell them about it. And I get paid the same amount no matter what. I don't get any tip money, but it's a, it's a good pay rate for being a brand ambassador. And so a lot of people would come up to me and ask about like being a brand ambassador. And unfortunately it's just, there's only so many job openings for brand ambassadorships. And so it's not an easy job position to get into. Again, you have to have that engaging personality. If not, you're probably going to lose your job pretty quick because um, it wasn't a requirement, but if I was, my schedule was really dictated by the amount of customers I could get engaged on my product and, and the more people that like my, the partners and owners could see that I was engaging with. And so I was like their lead brand ambassador for the company I worked for, for Fireball Cannabis Gummies. But it was because, you know, I was like upfront promoting it, you know, all the time and, and just like very engaging with customers and making sure every customer knew about the product. But most brand ambassadors don't do that. And because of that, you're not really going to get paid well. With my company, they were at least willing to pay a good amount of money, but if you you weren't you weren't going to get scheduled shifts if you just weren't engaging. Um, and so that's something to think about as well. So you really have to have the right. You just have to have a lot of product knowledge. Which I mean, take it from me, I didn't know anything about it when I got into it, but it is something you can learn over time, and it does help. Um, but being a brand ambassador, I only had to worry about my product, but I did have to overcome a lot of objections, of course, because a lot of people know about the products or they don't know enough and I need to be able to guide them and, and figure out if this is the right thing for them or not. And so you do have to learn a lot of product knowledge. Without that, you're not really going to do really well. Um, so if you're not someone that's like looking to learn a lot about cannabis or have like a, a, like an outgoing personality. It's really not the right industry for you to get into. Um, on that note though, you can work at groweries and uh, they make, you know, somewhat all right money. Um, if you know how to, if you're a good cook, I mean, you, honestly you can learn how to cook edibles and that's an industry you can get into. I don't, that's like one of the only job categories. I don't know how much they make in general. If you're big into marketing, Excuse me. Um, marketing could be a big thing for for the cannabis industry as well. And actually, my guest tomorrow is going to be like, um, I'm super happy to have him on. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to come on or not. But essentially, if it wasn't for him and his guidance, I wouldn't even be doing these podcasts, which is pretty cool. He was the one that recommended all the equipment to me. And I worked alongside with him. And he was pretty much the person I kind of uh, always engage with whenever the partners or, or the owner was, you know, not in town. Uh, so he was like the the lead marketing guy for, for our brand. And so 
uh, he's going to be super awesome to have on because he's super familiar with cannabis. He's dealt with the California scene and seen the whole like, um, you know, black market out there. And now he's like out here and dealing with like pretty much just marketing, like the, one of the largest brands in, in all of North America. So it's going to be great to, you know, pick his brain and get his perspective, you know, from the marketing side of things. But honestly, like when it comes to those job positions, I'm not entirely sure your average pay rate, but those people do enjoy what they're doing. So I'm assuming they're, they're getting paid pretty well, but, um, it's, it's not an easy job to, to get. Honestly, like when I first wanted to get into this industry, when I was looking to leave the hospitality scene to come to, to work at the cannabis scene, I, I was like asking around like different job positions I could get into. And honestly, the, the best recommendation I got from a lot of people was, Hey, start off as a bud tender and then work your way up. And people do that and they get into that job position only to feel kind of stuck in, in a rut pretty much in that position until they develop a good enough relationship with a brand and then possibly that brand will pick them up as a brand ambassador. But you know, there's only so many brands that are launching every year as well and only so many of them succeed. So your job security isn't there either. So that's another thing too. If you're really looking to like have something that's good job security, it's a tough industry to be in, honestly, because uh, the turnover rate's pretty high. Um, either because employees just don't. <coughs> Man, I feel like there's something stuck in my throat. Um, they just don't feel like they're in a position where they're making enough for what they're doing. Or like if you're trying to move up, there's just no, there's no opportunities to move up because everything's pretty much taken taken up. But I mean, you, you could probably argue that for a lot of jobs, to be honest. But I, I do feel like job security in the cannabis space is a little bit more difficult. Um, I don't know what it is. I've worked multiple different industries. I've seen a lot of different um, operations. Honestly, like a ton. I mean, my if you looked at my resume, it's insane. Just a, 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 a amount of different industries I've worked, but I would say that the cannabis industry definitely has one of the hardest ones to to guarantee job security in. Again, if you don't have that type of personality, it's just not right for you. And and it sucks because a lot of people love cannabis and they feel like they would do really well in the job. And there is perks to it, of course, but it's just it's definitely something where you really need to reflect on like do you have a good like it's pretty much are you a good salesperson if you're a good salesperson you could do pretty well in it but honestly if you're a good salesperson there's probably better job opportunities for you out there compared to this and eventually i'll talk about that and i'll spend a week talking about sales because that's pretty much all of my job history is that you know i started off in in computer sales working for circuit city to AT&T cell phone sales, to working at drive time, doing car sales, um, doing the cannabis, you know, pretty much I consider myself as a salesperson for, as a brand ambassador, because if I didn't, I wouldn't be their lead brand ambassador for fireball cannabis gummies. Um, and, uh, this next endeavor that I'm taking on is, is another uh, sales position. What I did at marquee, I feel like it's a lot of marketing, but it's a lot of sales. You have to be able to overcome objections and, and, and get people to come to you your, your nightclub compared to like all the millions of other clubs that exist in Las Vegas. So a lot of sales jobs and, and definitely a lot of experiences in all of them. And I did really well with all of them. And I think that's something that a lot of people want to learn about because sales is a great job position to get into if you don't have a solid education background. 
or you just don't want to do your traditional professions, or you just want to be kind of in charge of your own income, but not really have to be in charge of like own, like managing operations, like being your own business owner, like being in sales is great because you get paid for your time. And if you work for the right organization, you, you, uh, your commission structure is pretty great and you just, you get paid for your effort and that's it. You know, if you don't want to work, you don't get paid for it. If you want to work and want to work really hard for one day and make enough for like the next three weeks. And that's what you can possibly do with sales. It's not something you really can't do with a lot of other professions, but, um, ultimately I just wanted to bring that up to a lot of people. If you don't have a strong sales background or if you don't have a really good communications background, like if you're not able to network with people and have a really good engaging conversations, or if you can't be someone that learns the ins and outs about the cannabis industry in general, just not even just talk about the products, but the variety of services and, and or not services, but the a variety of product lines, like from not just from flour to edibles to, to concentrates to all of that. If you're not willing to learn all of that, uh, I mean, again, you could try to go into growing and doing marketing, but I just don't, I'm not too familiar with the income potentials in that and, and the job security with that as well. But ultimately I hope you guys got a lot from this podcast. Uh, tomorrow I will be having a guest on. This will be awesome. Super excited to have him on board. Um, and I definitely look forward to, uh, you know, next week's podcast as well. I think I already know what I want to talk about. So I'll announce that tomorrow as well, or even just start Monday off with just, you know, talking about it. But ultimately, thank you guys all for, for listening. I've been trying really hard to keep these short because that was something I was supposed to be doing. We're coming to the very end of July where I've done a few of these already, um, where it's like a week focused on a specific subject. But I, I want to save the elaborative stuff for a blog that I need to release. I'm sorry, guys. It's just... I mean, this thing that I'm eventually going to announce that I'm doing or going to be venturing into it's been taking up a lot of my time on the side just initially to kind of get it started. Um, no, it's not a multi-level marketing business. Do not believe in any of that stuff. That's like the only sales job. I did do one actually well, a long time ago, but it's not that. But uh, it's a job that just requires licensing and a lot of education and a lot of learning, especially when you're not familiar with the industry. But ultimately... Can't wait to share, you know, more about that in the near future. But until then, I will catch all of you manana for our interview. Peace.